All right, Omar, let's talk, man. What's happening in real estate from your foxhole right now? Hi, man. So, you know, it's the same old story. When, you know, when mm. there's lots of money, there's not a lot of deals. When there's <laughs> lots of deals, there's not a lot of money. Story Thanks. of my life. So right now, rates are up. A lot of guys, at least in our space, because we develop plus acquire, like okay. 100, 150 units plus minimum, multifamily types of assets, right? So I acquire new, I buy class A, I buy class B. Right. Uh, basically, a lot of it is capital markets driven. Rates have gone up. Deals aren't penciling. And a lot of guys that were really good at marketing, but not really good at operations, right. well, the chickens are coming home to roost, basically, right? Because mm. for the past five, six, eight, ten years, you could just be really good at marketing if you kind of screwed up and... Uh, could be bailed out, right? I mean, that's basically right. a nice way of saying that. But now what's happening is you have people have suddenly uh, realized that, God, the laws of gravity and the laws of math apply to me as well. So uh, people who can punt are trying to punt for as long as possible just because nobody wants to sell in this market, right? right. Uh, but people who can't punt are slowly bring, coming to the realization that we have to bring these deals to market and we just don't have an option. Hmm, okay. It just depends. It depends where you are and how long you can hold out for. So then how does that affect you? Because I know you're into um, development and you do a lot of that as well. How does yeah. how does what's happening in the market affect you as a developer? Does it does your ch strategy have to change in what you're doing? Uh, no, not necessarily. It's just when some projects or a few projects that we, we have in our pipeline, uh -huh. they are just going to get pushed on uh, for later on as a developer right because you're not meeting your yields basically your yield on cost and all that stuff that you have for you just because the rates are very high but look on the acquisition side of our business which is still the bulk of our business uh not a lot of deals right now but the deals we are looking are slowly coming back to reality like the pricing is coming back to reality so look man it, it is the way it is a lot of people complain oh things are tough things are this but that's what we get paid to do right, right. so we get paid to find great deals for our partners, investors, make them a shit ton of money, make them extremely happy with us. But that requires us to do work, right? And then yeah. to complain, I, go, it's always, I always chuckle when people are, oh, it's so hard. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's so hard. Like, what are you complaining about? Right. Like, so, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I don't like to bitch. I don't like to moan too right. much. I like a little bitching. Uh, but so, you know, it is what it is. We still are finding good deals. We're still trying to transact. But sometimes... It takes a little while to take, uh, you know, desperate people to the promised land. Right. So how did you get how did you get started in this, though? Because you've been doing this for God knows a, a little while based yeah. on all the things I've read and all the you know stuff I've listened to about you. So I I'm very grateful in the sense that my family is a business family. So mm -hmm. growing up, they're fairly financially sophisticated. So growing up, I had that exposure. Then on the finance side, I'm a CFHR for holder, managed portfolios, did some business development, M&A stuff, did a lot of operations. So for me, when I got married between my wife and I, we were making decent money. She's a physician. I was in finance. Uh, but we realized that, um, I mean, gross-wise, it looked like we were doing well, and we were. I mean, I'm right. not trying to be ungrateful. But there's a difference between gross and net, as you know, in the event between Fact. stuff, you know, tax stuff. Yeah, that eats up a lot. And the math I did even, like, uh, like whatever, five, six, seven, eight years ago, was because look i'm doing this for other people number one so i already have the background both financially and operationally and number two even if i just kept our household income roughly the same and god forbid it never went up and all we did was just save on save on the taxes dude we'd have no problems practically right. we have no problems right so that was a big yeah. impetuous but luckily for me because my family is a business family so i had exposure there right growing up and exposure to that lifestyle exposure to uh hey 
I'm not just a guy with a problem. I'm a guy with a problem who potentially has certain solutions, right? Mm -hmm. Or has access to certain solutions. And then me working within finance, running M&A, running some deals there, uh, doing operations. Again, now means I'm a guy who potentially has some solutions, but also is a good fit for those solutions to implement those solutions, right? So a lot of it is uh, luck, I guess, uh, a good por- because it's always luck, right? Uh, but a good portion of this is good fortune, right. and a lot of it's hard work as well. Yeah, I was going to say quite a bit of that has to be some level of understanding, one, in yourself, and two, in what those things, that, like you identified as problems, what kind of things, let's start with that. How do you identify what you see as a problem that you can solve? How do you figure that out? For me? Absolutely. The problem, the problem or not just you, but for yourself, for clients, for anybody who, who might come along. I mean, we have partners and investors. I mean, for us, basically, the impetuous was we were just, I mean, pretty much everybody we knew in our social circle was doing very well, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Right. But when you look again, when you look at gross, you look at net, there's a big difference. Right. 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 And it's depressing. <laughs> it's really depressing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes, it's it price, you're crushing it. Right. And then you get net and you're like, well, I'm not really crushing it that much. Right. Yeah. So for us, we realized, look, obviously, uh, number one, uh, the tax component or tax efficiency is very important. Lots of really high income, high, white collar professionals, especially don't really get, I mean they get it but they don't really get it to understand it's a bit right. like knowing you gotta eat right but you still eat like shit and you're you're out of shape right you do it anyway you understand? So there's a difference between knowing and doing which so that's why a lot of people that's why a lot of people in this country are out of shape right, right. because education alone doesn't help you you still have to take that step you still it's a bit like you know I've got two kids now right and what I explained to them is because they're young I said look you can watch all the movies or TV shows you want on learning how to ride a bike or a scooty or whatever, right. but you still got to get on the damn thing, right? If yeah. you don't get on it and you don't fall down a couple of times, you don't pick yourself up, you're just not going to learn it, right? So watching more videos or learning more above a certain level isn't going to help you, right? Right. Yeah. So it was just having that impetuous, say, I've got a problem, now I've got to do something about it, right? Because I've got lots of my friends that are way more intelligent than me, making very, very, very good money, right. but they're just not taking that step. And when you just, for whatever reason, right? Right. Hey, I'm busy. I got kids. I got this. I got that. Right. Until you don't take that step, uh, none of this other stuff is going to happen. Mm. Do you do you ever have to deal with that that discomfort when taking a step? Yeah, no shit, man. But I mean, well, what are you going to do about it, right? Look, yeah. my point is, when you have a problem, and again, I'm looking at it in this sphere, but maybe in other areas of my life, I'm basically not taking those steps, right? So right. areas compartmentalized. But yeah, man, I mean, look, we are doing our projects. We're managing about $350 million of real estate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's lots of steps. And a lot of times you just have to realize you just got to go do it, right? I mean, likes and my point is likes and dislikes have no bearing on whether you have to go do something. Yeah, that's a fact. I don't have to like something to go do it. Right. right? Similarly, I don't have to I don't have to not do something because I dislike it. I mean, I dislike going to the gym that I do a few times a week, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I get that. What am I going to do, man? I mean, bitching about it isn't going to help me, right? Fact, yeah. Here I am. Now, you know what? What's That's funny that you mentioned the gym because you see so many people right now going to the gym, uh, that New Year's resolution crowd, right? And nothing against them by any means. But you see them and I, you're I, like... I am a poster child for going to the gym. <laughs> I mean, look at me. I'm like, if the Michelin man was starved to death... Listen, you know, no judgment. You know, everybody's got to start somewhere, right? You know, it can't all be great. 
you got to pick an L somewhere. But, you know, it's funny because you'll see folks come in and they're, you know, doing the workouts, all that great stuff. But you can tell when somebody doesn't like burpees or they don't like to do one specific exercise. They'll do everything around it, but they'll never go to that one machine. And you're like, man, like no matter what you do, you're going to have to hit that at some point and might as well just go head in on it. So it's like guys who skip on leg days all the time. Your entire <laughs> life is on leg days. And you're like, dude, you're jacked up top. Right. And you've got the legs of a five-year-old. Absolutely. What's the deal? <laughs> Taking chicken legs to a whole nother level. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You've seen it, right? You I've, can't tell yeah. Me. I, yeah, no, I've, I've seen it. it. It's weird. It's definitely an odd thing. Um bless their heart it's definitely an odd thing all right so how does one get into the stratosphere where you're in now when you when you're because right now you're doing uh the real estate development did you start in real estate development or did that become a thing as you went on look acquisitions is still about 90 percent of my about 80 percent of my business right Right. acquisitions is about 80 percent of my business and development is about 20 percent of my business okay so how did i start I told you what the issue was. I mean, but the fact of the matter is that it's just one deal at a time, man. I mean, look, you can't, we all have this thing, right? We, I think this is an issue because now that I'm doing this for a living, entrepreneur, all of this stuff. So I see this a lot now. Maybe you just have to have your eyes open. Maybe I did it always and I never realized it, right? What I see a lot of times, especially with college educated people, I'm one of them. We overcomplicate the hell out of everything, right? right. So if you want to go do something, right? Even when I talk to my friends now, right? And these are all like highly educated people, great jobs, all that kind of stuff, right? And they immediately go to step 945 or something like that. <laughs> and you're like, nah, bro, there's like a bunch of steps in between. Right. You gotta realize that you just don't go all the way to the last step and say, oh God, how did we get here? Right? Yeah. No, there's yeah. a bunch of steps. So you do one thing, then you do the next thing, then you do the next thing, and so on. And sometimes uh, you do one thing, then you go down two things, then you go one up, right? It's like any other thing. You just have to do it one step at a time. And by the way, mm. I have this, I also have challenges, right? But but my challenge now isn't the same challenge I had As three years before. ago. Right. It's a different type of challenge. But some guy who say, you know, whatever, two, three, ten X ahead of me, whatever challenge I have, it's not a challenge for him. He has another challenge. Mm, right? Because he's right. he's ahead of me or she is ahead of me. But they also had to go through the same process. Right. So it's a process. Don't overcomplicate it, but also don't immediately go to the last step. Like there's a couple of steps in between, right? So don't overcome. And I see this a lot with like overly educated college people like myself, right? They overly complicate every single thing. And they're like, nah, bro, look, just, just, just shut up. Just, and just follow instructions. Right. Okay. Don't overcomplicate it. You think, uh, you think then that some folks, when they get into the whole real estate piece that they'll think, all right, well, I need to do a, a one, one, a single family first, then I can do a duplex. Then I can do a triplex. Is that them limiting their self? Or do you think that's just, no, I, I don't really say, look, I, for instance, bought my first, uh, commercial real estate property before I bought my first house. Wow. Okay. But. I don't necessarily think that's a limiting thing because look, we're also subject to our circumstances, right? Think about it this way. Look, I'm lucky in the sense that I'm very grateful in the sense that I, as an example, only had to watch out for myself. Right. Right. I I don't have to take care of my entire family. I don't got three kids. You know, I mean, I have two kids now, but I didn't have three kids when I or two kids when I was starting out. So, and I had a great job. My wife has a great job, right? I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, we work really hard for it, but there's a lot of things going for us, right? So for instance, 
if you don't have time because you got to take care of your parents or you have a child that has some issue and you got to take care of it or there's a particular family issue well shit start my point is start right or and look if you want to do single families it's fine I, i've never really understood why people for instance really like dump on single family i'm like look man cash is cash right That's if true. it's a model that works for you go for it right for me uh for us or rather as a household we realized look what the income level we needed at the bare minimum mm -hmm. for it to be a viable business proposition for us right i wasn't looking to get a second job right so it wasn't i didn't i don't really care about side hustles i didn't i didn't really want any of that stuff right i got enough shit going on right so for it to be a viable business and i was like okay i can potentially quit my job or career right, right? which is reasonably lucrative i don't have to like rock the boat i'm not genius but i'm not stupid right right for me to quit it like the upside has to be whatever math i had in my head right now i couldn't make the math work with single family for my situation but that's a personal situation of mine right right because right. my personal life my personal career goals might be very different somebody might not value say a certain amount of money the way i do because they they want to spend more time with their kids or families or maybe they're more socially oriented right, right. so you got to figure out what works for you so i don't necessarily think it's a limiting belief mm -hmm. but i do feel uh you when you get somewhere you always need to have an abundance mindset and you need to keep pushing yourself whatever that uh possibility is so right. maybe you did two houses and you're like nah you know what i still want to do houses well try to do five good deals right next year try to do 10 good deals but keep on that path of stretching yourself right hmm. okay so let's 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 dive into that a little bit because you talk about stretching yourself and i've heard you talk about this before What's your thoughts on self-development? How do you develop and continue to develop Omar as you grow in this space? Look, my my thoughts on self-development are it's very crucial, crucial okay. and important. All right. But my thoughts on self-development are most people that are selling you self-development products and services yeah. are basically a bunch of quacks and charlatans. Okay. okay. What's really funny to me these days is suddenly we are in a society where people who've never had a job people who've never had a career, people who can't tie their shoelaces are giving other people life advice. <laughs> yeah, okay? that's, that's very I true. Really get it. It's a bit like if you took bodybuilding advice from me, right? <laughs> sure, I'll give it to you if you pay me money, but you'd have to be a moron <laughs> to take bodybuilding advice from me. Got right? it. Understand it, it's not a good fit. So a lot of times, a lot of these people on social media that I see, like I see like 18 year old kids giving advice on how to become a millionaire. Yeah. I was like, dude, you live in your mom's basement. What yeah. the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I'm not opposed to self-development. I am very grateful and lucky that I've only, in my life, I've had so many people open doors for me that they didn't have to open doors for me. Right. Like they would get nothing out of it, right? Or people said a kind but right word at the right time, which obviously helped me a lot, right? Or they pointed me to the right direction. But look, you got to realize people can only open the door for you, man. You still have to walk, walk through, through that it. door. Yeah. You still have to go do some work. Because if somebody opens doors for you and you don't walk through that door, you don't do the work. Yeah, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, no, I, yeah, no. Yeah, you're you're one hundred percent right, Omar. I've I've seen I've seen those eighteen, nineteen, twenty year olds you're talking about, and it's it's interesting because I imagine that advice might work for somebody who's in the exact same situation as they are, living in their parents' house. You know, not spending money. Our 
Zuckerberg at 19 is giving advice. Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook at 19 is giving advice. Sure, screw it. Take that advice. He seems to have his shit together at 19, right? I don't think most people, including me, had our shit together at 19. That's all I'm trying to say. No, I mean, even more than that, you got to, I've always thought you got to consider where you're getting the advice from, right? Like if you're 40 years old with two kids it doesn't make sense to listen to a 19, 18 year old who doesn't know what it is to be a father or mother yeah. or, you know, have to maintain a household. They take risks that you can't necessarily take because yeah. it's just too much. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. I'll give you an example, man. It's really funny. Like, for instance, most real estate entrepreneurs you'll see either their partners mm-hmm. have a really good job. They do. And so every time I go, every real estate entrepreneur is packing themselves on the back on how amazing of an entrepreneur they are. Right. And you're like, buddy, your wife or your husband has a really good job. So your fallback isn't too bad. You understand? It's not like they're working at McDonald's, right? right. And you're you're, you're going to crash and burn hard. Most of y'all are upper middle class to upper class. I mean, I came from that background. So it's pretty easy to say this when you have like 15 fallback options, mm. right? But when you're, when you got three kids and you're 45 and you're making maybe 75 grand a year and you're behind every month, you, I mean, it's a different strategy you got to right. do. Right. right. So you got to kind of use your brain a little bit. I mean, we've gone from a society where, you know, people kind of use your brain most of the time to people just going off TikTok, man. It's, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> the TikTok <laughs> solutions are mind blowing. I can't tell you how many people will say, oh, yeah, I saw that on TikToks. I have seen videos on TikTok because, you know, again, I waste a lot of my time on social media. Right. Fair. <laughs> hey. <laughs> You take a hundred dollars and you double it every month. Right. You will be worth, I don't know, whatever, a billion dollars in three years. I was like, yeah. You know what the problem is? How the fuck do you double your money every month, buddy? Like, mm, that's the problem. Yeah. A billion dollars is not a problem. Shit, I'll spend all of it. But it's, uh, <laughs> between now and the billion dollars, that's kind of a problem. Right. Yeah. You know what? It's it's funny. Um, and even in, in when you were talking about that earlier, one thing you said before we mentioned the TikToks and, and the craziness is how much of a team sport the real estate game actually yeah. is. And people don't realize, like, sometimes it's just a matter of having those conversations. But just like you said, you can lead the holster water, but the water, the horse don't drink. That's the horse's fault. Yeah, like, that's the horse's fault. Yeah, exactly. You got you to go through that door. Now, when you talked about those folks you were you were talking to and you were learning from, how are you meeting those people? How did that go? How did that come about when you were doing that part? Initially, the network is basically built on uh, going to good schools, right? And then when you're working, as an example, mm-hmm. uh, in my case, a lot of it was accidental in the sense that finding good mentors or work role models, mm-hmm. like guys and girls that you maybe work with, right? Say, let's assume you work with somebody. You're in the army, right? I'm sure in your department or your line of work, there is somebody in whatever, within the army, as an example, that you meet, and they're doing a really good job. Right now, if you're kind of passive about it, you'll be like, "Ah, oh, Jim, he's doing a really good job." You kind of think of it in your head, and you kind of forget about it, right? right. But if you look at Jim, maybe you get to know Jim a little better, right? And right. you're like, "Okay, Jim, how do you do it?" And Jim tells you, "Well, really, what I do is every Sunday for two hours, I sit down at say from eight to ten after I put my kids to sleep and plan my entire week. And this is why on Monday when I show up, I have a list of three items I got to do. And I check, 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 check those off. Uh, Tuesday, I already have this call. Wednesday, I have things on my calendar, right? Now, these are things a lot of times you're not probably going to know as a young person, right? right? So you have an older role model. And I'm going to tell you this, man, I've lived in a few countries. The amount 
of openness that is in America mm-hmm. and actual willingness of people to help you, by the way. Hey, generally, like, for instance, in this country, as an example, this is not the case in all, every country in the world. Mm-hmm. In this country, is, as an example, it is not considered weird to go to somebody you don't even know. You've never known this person, right? Maybe you work with them, but you don't kind of know them, right? And go, hey, man, and it's not considered weird or awkward, right? right. Hey, man, I think you're doing a pretty good job. I'm not as experienced as you, but I do kind of look up to you in X, Y, Z thing. Would you be open to going to a coffee with me so I can maybe learn more about how you're such a freaking killer at your job? Right. Right. It's not considered a weird thing. Nobody looks at you weird and looks at you like a creep or something. You know why? Because the culture is very encouraging in terms of work orientation. Right. Right. But again, you got to go say it, man. Because how will the guy who's halfway across the office know that you are thinking this? In fact, even if he knows you're thinking it, why would he give a shit? Because mm. he's busy with his life. Right. But if you ask him, hey, man, you know, I'd be very obliged. I know you're a busy person. I can follow up with you. No problem. You tell me, would you be open to having 15 minutes of coffee with me? Whatever. Right. I can assure you of this, man, you do it with 100 people. Right. Basically, you learn more in like in those like five or ten, in like whatever, whatever meetings you get out of this, which right. will be a, like, trust me, your problem will become, first of all, you will have too many meetings and you'll have to run away. <laughs> your kind of problem right. to have now. Because yeah. first you ask somebody and they're like, nah, I, I actually can't really meet you. Right. But what you learn from those meetings mm-hmm. is... It's just mind blowing, man. You will learn so many things about not just your work, but just generally how to live life, how to organize right. yourself, all that sort of stuff that you will never learn in a book. You can never learn on a podcast. You can never learn anywhere else. Right. Right. Because still, when we sit down and we talk to somebody like face to face, when we talk, like, because this is kind of nice, but it'd be a lot different if you and I were sitting in the in same person. Room. Right. We each other's hand. Maybe we go for a coffee or drink and we, we shoot the shit. Right. Right. There is no substitute to a face-to-face meeting, man. It, it hasn't. It doesn't. I don't give a shit what happens. It, it, yeah. There will never be a substitute to a face-to-face meeting. Yeah. No. Right? You, you yeah. Do that. yeah. That's 100 true. You're, you're golden, basically. You're, you basically punch your own ticket in life if you can do that. And it doesn't matter what field you're in. No, you. I think. I think you're 100 right. It's um, and especially now after the whole COVID thing happened, right? We saw this huge shift in the world where everything went straight to virtual. And in yeah. that time frame, we still look back now and we're like, man, it's a whole different feeling when you were doing it virtual and when you do it in person. That virtual conference at whatever conference 2020, 2021 is different than 2023 and tw- sorry, 2022 and 2023. It's a whole different vibe. And like that, that human connection, I think, is really important. And like you said, as great as it is to get you on here and talk to you, man, being able to just come to, hey, Omar, let's go to... uh such and such a cafe and we sit down and talk the the vibe the connection is different it's much it's much easier and i think it's much um much more important to have that human connection okay hold on not to plug my own event i hope i'm not speaking out no please right i'll give you an example we are hosting a conference in vegas april 26th or 28th 2023 i'll send you the information right but that's not the purpose of why i'm saying this right the whole reason why we are doing it in person we're inviting some of the top Operators. I mean, these are people who are our competition, technically. Right. Right. But, but we're inviting them because a lot of these guys I actually like. I mean, in the sense that I like what they're doing. I don't like that they beat me sometimes. But I admire. <laughs> we don't know. Nobody, nobody likes losing. But I professionally, I right. admire what they're doing. I think they're doing a really good job. 
right? In certain areas, they're, they're, they're doing a really good job. I wish I was like that in certain areas, right? right? We're inviting our own investors. We're inviting our own equity people. And you know why we're spending all of that cost to do it in Vegas? Because it actually costs us more money than hosting it online. Mm -hmm. Because you don't get the same connection, man, when you just host it virtually. Now, it's cheaper. Yeah. I guess more people can come. But it's not just quantity, right? It's a quality issue as well. When, say, for instance, if I've got uh, a really good operator, right? And I'm an investor, I'm a money raiser, whatever it is, right? right. Now, whatever, you hear them speak. But hey, now you actually meet the guy, you shake his guy or girl, you shake their hand, uh, you maybe go for a drink later on at night, right? Or you're in an event, you'd be like, hey, XYZ, I, you know, I kind of followed you, I liked you, what you do? Let's chat. Now you've got that person's email. Now that person puts a, a real face to a name. Right. Right. You email them a day later, trust me, nine times out of 10, they'll want to talk to you. People want to talk, man. People want to talk. Well, who doesn't want to talk? Yeah, I mean, that's a fact. And it, it's always to, what's, there's a book, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And one of the things it talks about is it says, people like to talk about themselves as well as get to know you at the same time. So what you do is when you have those conversations, you ask them about them. Hey, what do you do? And, and really dig in and ask the questions. And by the end of the conversation, you now have a true connection with that person. Because now they're telling you about their kids. They're telling you about their dog that died when they were four. You know, like you said, you have that human connection is more than just the real estate discussion. I think a lot of it, just like you said, is having those talks and having that human conversation in, in that whole thing. So that's really dope. That's really dope. So that conference is happening in Vegas. Good. Yeah, yeah. I'll share the. I'll tell Eric to send you the details. Okay, but please. I'm not that. The reason why I'm saying this is we're spending all of this extra cost purely for if you try to explain it to somebody, hey, you'll meet somebody. They'll be like, whatever. I can just call them. Right. And you're like, yeah, it's kind of not the same thing. Right. Yeah, that's true. Now I'm a. I'm gonna be a little bit selfish now, Omar. When we before we before we hit the record button, you and I were talking, and you asked me if I had. Uh, I believe you said, "Are we, have I started talking to lenders?" I want to talk about that a little bit because for somebody who's learning a capital raise, I want to get as much as much understanding and be as uh, dangerous as possible when it comes to that. What's your advice for those who are starting in a path like capital raising or even uh, acquisitions as you are now? How do they start doing that? Just partner. Just partner. Yeah. For instance, first of all, pick one link. Okay. okay. Don't make the mistake we've all made and pick like five lanes at one time. Okay. <laughs> and you'll suck at five things instead of sucking at one. Right. Okay? Right. <laughs> I guess even worse. Right. Because if you want to suck, you don't want to multiply the suckiness. Absolutely. Right. So pick one lane. Let's assume you want to be a capital raiser, right? Yep. So now you partner with an experienced owner operator, right? For instance, as an example, let's assume you want to raise money. You reach out to me. We have this chat, right? You reach out to me and say, like, hey, man, here's what I can do. I want to raise money, blah, blah, blah. But then the big part is if you commit to something, mm -hmm. then follow through on that commitment. So don't say, hey, I'll raise $1 million. And you know, you got like $10, right? That you can possibly bring. So, I mean, start the conversation if somebody asks, right? right. So you say, okay, look, man, I can raise $300,000 between two hundred and $300,000. And somebody might say no as an example. Hey, that's not, it's not worth it, right? Whatever, that's fine. But you're managing expectations because you always want to exceed expectations. But you right. got to pick a lane, man. And when you pick a lane, you got to partner with the right people. Now, look, I've learned this the hard way. Lots of us have learned this the hard way. So you don't got to learn this the hard way. 
Yeah. Right. I mean, I guess you can learn it the hard way, but why would you? No. Yeah. I mean, that that'd be that's the entire purpose of having things like podcasts and YouTube's and having conversations, like you said, is to learn not just learn what they're doing, but learn from their mistakes if you can as well. So that yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Under under promise and over deliver is probably the but the right thing. Complimentary skill sets. Got it. So how so how do you find people with complimentary skill sets in that case then? Okay, so let's use yourself. I mean, can we use you as an example? Absolutely, please. By all means. Okay. So you tell me what's what's the thing? The one thing that you feel not not feel, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually let's take feel exactly. What's the one thing you actually know you're good at? Because feeling we can feel like a million dollars doesn't mean we are a million dollars, right? Right. So what do you know that you can do reasonably well? doesn't have to be world class, but you can really do it reasonably well. I know I'm good at connecting with people. So like having conversations like you and I are having, getting on the phone, meeting people in person, I always seem to do better with that connection. Matter of fact, anything that I've done up to this point has derived from some kind of conversation or some kind of meeting that I've been in with someone. Okay, so as an example, let's take this. So you're building this podcast. It's a marketing mm-hmm. thing. Also, you get to meet people, right? I'm sure you're having conversations with people. Now, how much money, as an example, do you think you can raise right now? And you can give me a range. You don't have to give me specifics. Probably, I'd say a, somewhere between 100 to 250K. Okay, so what I, I would suggest, first of all, you do is you find there's two ways you got to do this. Number one, it's a chicken and egg thing, right? right. Because if you haven't raised money, because everybody's asking, well, have you done this before? And you're like, no, because the conversation kind of stops. So what I'd suggest is you partner with an experienced owner operator. I'm happy I can do this. I'm happy to introduce you to other people, right? That because now you are leveraging their platform and their experience and all of this. So somebody says, Hey Oliver, have you done this before? Be like, Yes, our team yeah. has done this before. Right. And now you tell them your team has done it. Okay. Mm. So you use that as a leverage point. Right now, obviously it's levels. But the fact of the matter is you got to pick one battle. Got it. So just pick the easiest battle you can pick when you're starting. Don't pick the hard battles. Got it. Pick okay. battles. Easy battles, buddy. The easy win. The easy win first. Yeah, what's that Dave Ramsey thing? The snowball method or something. Do you know about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. The snowball right? effect. You just pick the easy thing, right? You pick the, um, you pick the credit card. Because I hear a lot of my finance friends tell me, well, that's kind of dumb. You should pay off. Uh, the line of credit credit card with the highest interest rate. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but you don't actually get it. Like, he's trying to inculcate a habit in you. Right. Because we're not, not a math problem. People aren't computers. So when you just get into the habit of just paying down the line, it's like a game. You won, you won a participation trophy or something. I don't know what you meant, right? So you, you just have to get into the habit of doing things. Like, right. Consistency is more important than intensity. Do you understand? Mm, okay. Consistency is a lot more important than intensity. So if you can do that and you say, let's assume you take five calls a day, okay. right? But you do that for an entire year. That's like close to more than 1,500 calls, right? That's, That's a lot better than you take 20 calls a day. Then you kind of hang out and chill out for like two weeks. Then you take another 20 calls. So right. that's 40 calls a month, right? 40 times 12 is 480. Right. Whereas you did five calls a day. Screw it. You did two calls a day. Right. That's 365 times two. It's close to 700. Right. Whatever. Three, nine, six, ninety or whatever it is. Whatever. I don't know. Just doing math. You're good. I'm six, not doing the math. <laughs> I'm not doing it. No way. Yeah, seven, whatever. 780 or whatever. But my point is, it's a volume issue. All right. of these things become a volume issue. Everything. So, okay. for instance, you raise 150,000. 
you partner with an experienced owner operator, you say, look, man, I hope I can do more. But at the bare minimum, I'm going to bring you 100, 250 grand. And I can tell you this, most people don't really need 100, 250 grand. They're not really going to give you a lot. But that's not the point. You just want to pad your resume, baby. You got to realize, you got to add momentum is very important. Right. Because you're going to talk to people one month and you're going to be like, all right. And next month you talk to them and be like, uh, hey, now we have this deal. And everybody will be like, well, what happened to the previous deal? We're done, man. What are you talking about? We're done, baby. We're closed. Yeah, closed. Deal, right? <laughs> now the person starts thinking in his head, oh, something's happened. Right. Progress. Third time they talk to you, they're like, oh, well, tell me about yourself. You're like, dude, I honestly don't have really time to talk to you right now because we just closed three deals in the last three months. I'm on my fourth deal. Right. Right. Mm. But so, again, I'm oversimplifying this, but that's basically what it is. No, I, I actually, Omar, I'm going to be honest. I don't think you're oversimplifying it because because when you read all, like I read a lot of books, I read a lot of books. I watch a lot of videos on capital raising as I'm trying to I'm working to get better at it. And one thing they talk about is just what you said is establishing that part of the conversation as you get on the phone. Like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you. I just want you to know I've got a call right after this with three more investors. I want to make sure I use and respectful of your time. Let's get into okay, it. And you start breaking down. I'm going to be honest with you, man. Talk anytime somebody tells me, maybe because I do, I'm in this industry, right? Uh-huh. Anytime somebody tells me that, I basically would go, if I don't say it, the thought that goes into my head is, hey, man, I think you're a bit too busy. And I actually have real shit going on in my life. So how about we talk about it? Okay. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Right. But I understand where you're going because you have to set some sort of limits, right? Right. Otherwise, just be on calls forever. So how would that right. call? So how would that call? You think how would that call go for you? How would you handle that kind of thing? How would you get in like what that first it? call you make? What is it? Oh, so give me an example of the situation. Um, you're calling. You're calling a guy, girl. You're looking to. They, you know, they've got like four, maybe four or five hundred k that they just got sitting dry powder sitting on the side, and you how want them to invest with you. How do I know this person? Um, you've been introduced to him or her through a friend of yours. So I've introduced so, you to whoever it is. To do somebody's introduced me to you, right? Yes, you got four or five hundred, right? Right. So I'll be like, like, okay, I'll pick up a couple of rings. You pick up the phone. You say, hey, just say, hey, right? Hey, hey, Omar. Hey, hey, Oliver, how are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you doing? Not too bad. Still a good time for us to talk. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's talk. What's up? All right. So look, uh, uh, Shannon basically told me that you're interested in commercial real estate and you were looking to have a portion of your portfolio invested. Mm-hmm. Now. We are primarily in multifamily, primarily value-added development. Uh, So do you have any questions for me? Like, how do you want us to go with this conversation? Yes. Whatever comes off the top of your head. Okay. So what's the first question would be, what, um, how do I know how much I'm getting back when it comes to providing you guys as funds? Okay. So basically what we have, the deal is structured in multiple ways. Number one, we have quarterly distribution. So think of this as a dividend yield, right? Right. So every quarter you'll get a portion, you'll get a certain amount of checks that hit your bank account, right? Now, at the instance of refinance or sale, you'll have another portion of your money. So think about it this way. Two years later, we refinance a deal, we extract 50% of the cash, we return it to you. Right. Mm. So now you get that check plus a quarterly check to say one or two years from then we sell the deal. Your prorated share in the deal. Let's assume you owned 100 percent of the deal. So 100 percent of the sales proceeds, less fees, less basically the debt that we have on it. Once we pay that, we'll come back to you. And by the way, 
because there's so many tax advantages to doing this. So as an example, the quarterly dividends you were getting, well, you're probably not paying any taxes on those quarterly dividends because they're write-offs. Right. Right. Number one. Number two, upon sale, like with unlike say, uh, say if you had say a share of Apple, I guess, right, mm -hmm. and you made the same amount of money. Well, if you sell that share, you have to pay capital gains tax. But within real estate, if we go use a 1031 exchange, and let me know if you want to know more about the 1031 exchange, I'm happy to tell you. If you use that tax shelter, you can take your gains, you can move it to a 1031 and not pay any capital gains on it. This is how most of the rich people are actually within real estate mm -hmm. making their money long term because when you eliminate the 25, 30% taxes you've got to pay, that's a big chunk of money that now you're putting into the next property. Got it. So let me ask you this then, Omar. How do I make, how do I know my money is safe when I, because this is the first time I'm doing this. So I, I'm not sure, you know, I'm kind of worried about losing the money in this market. Okay. Just also one thing. The caveat that I want to give you here is that Absolutely. most of my investors are sophisticated investors. Do you understand? Mm, sophisticated right. in the sense that they have a financial background. So right. what I'm saying might not, first of all, is definitely not salesman 101 level stuff, right? Because right. I'm also looking at right i kind of have my clocks i'm looking at it number two your investors might be different so the conversation might be mm, that's very true got it just say just keep that in mind right of course we don't have any so now tell me what what, what you were saying basically. uh so what i was saying was i, I want to learn i want to understand that my money is safe i want to make sure my money isn't in a really risky position because it's one of my first times doing this oh yeah look that's a very that's a very good question so our uh, basically this is a private securities offering uh, what we do so all of our uh, documents all the paperwork that's actually filed with the securities and exchange commission as a private placement offering so you'll you'll see it when we send you the docs it says private placement memorandum because it's still a private share private security number one mm -hmm. number two all of the all of the money that you associated with one property it's a segregated account. So think about it this way. Let's assume you've invested in 10 properties as an example with us, right? Think about right. this for a couple of years in, you've invested with 10 properties. Well, we cannot by law mingle funds between those 10 properties. So this way, each property is an independent island in it of itself. So God forbid, in the worst possible scenario, something is going wrong with one asset, right? Because look, bad things can happen to good people, right? If something is going bad with one asset, it doesn't infect all of your other assets. Mm, got if it. There's a big word of compliance and legislation, which is through the Securities and Exchange Commission. Then we are segregating assets because it's you literally have to put it in a separate bucket. You cannot move legally money between it. It's a big no-no. It's against the law. You can go to jail. And this way, when you put guardrails, you have good governance. And more importantly, when you have good experienced managers like us doing it, what happens as a result is, look, we can't promise you an outcome. Like, I, I wish I could tell you, hey, for sure, I will know in two years what's going to happen. Right. I can't promise you an outcome because if I could, we probably wouldn't be on this call and I'd be really rich. Right. <laughs> we all know nobody can predict the future, but I, we right. can promise you a certain set of processes, a certain set of professionalism mm -hmm. and a certain way of doing things that's world class but we can't predict outcomes. So for instance, this is why uh, if you're investing, it's still, you're, you're trying to get 15, 16, 18% returns. And that's not possible without taking a base level of risk. Mm, got it. Got it. Close scene. Omar, that's, uh, dude, that's, that's really, just to be able to hear you go through that and kind of go in. Granted, of course, like we said, every investor is different. 
um, you know, because yeah, sophisticated, not sophisticated, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I wanted to caveat that because, look, right. for instance, if you say the exact same words I'm saying, right. but you say it to somebody, say, for instance, who's a really rich person, right? Mm-hmm. But they happen to be a guy who, I mean, it's just not in this world, right? right. I mean, you know them through their uncle because your uncle told you at a Thanksgiving party or something, right? right? He's, whatever. He's just not from this world, right? He's a really rich guy. He wants to give you money. You say all these things. You might as well be talking Greek, man. Right. In fact, right. It probably, he or she probably has a lesser probability of believing you mm-hmm. because now you are using verbiage which is not in line with them. The same way, by the way, if I was to overly break down the tenth one, break down quarterly returns, and try to explain it to some of my investors, right. they would think I was patronizing. I was talking down to them. Right. Uh, yeah. They're like, hey, I've done this before. What, what, what do you think this is my first rodeo? <laughs> right. Right. You understand? Disrespected, yeah. Uh, yeah, but they, they would feel disrespected. You understand? This has nothing to do with reality. You're trying right. to do a good job. You just have to know what audience you're talking to. Got it. Got it. Got I it. No, that, that makes sense. sense. I wanted to make that a point. Like, what I'm, and again, this is not perfect. This is just off the top of my head, right? What I'm saying isn't like, like a one, like a push button way to get money. Right. Because you still have to be cognizant to the environment which you're in. Right. I mean, right. you wouldn't give the speech if you were at a social event, right? And somebody's like, hey, tell me about yourself, right? Yeah. You wouldn't go into the spiel, right? I mean, right. so yeah, just keep that in mind. No, no, no. It, it, what you say makes perfect sense because it's just like um, just like on any podcast, any YouTube, any video, anybody who you see is out there. If you're talking to everyone, you're talking to no one. So you have to be very calculated on who you're having to talk to and what you're talking about because you don't want to, one, lose them. To waste their time and waste yours for that matter. Like, I'm not going to go and talk to a doctor who specializes in surgery and a doctor who specializes in podiatry on just one f- uh, foot, right? They just specialize feet. Those two yeah, different well, two instance, different languages. Talk about, I'll give you an example. What are common features that doctors and most white collar professionals have? Physician burnout is a big issue, mm-hmm. right? They make a really good amount of money, but they're paying a shit ton in taxes, right? right. I mean, if there's a doctor, I can give the example of my wife and I. I can give the examples of 10 people in my family. I mean, obviously, I say, look, if you're a surgeon, I don't actually know how to do surgery. Right. But I have three members of my family that are surgeons. Right. right? And I bet you, uh, if you have kids the same age they have or you're younger, mm-hmm. you 99% of your thoughts outside of surgery, in fact, even in surgery, are kind of the same. How do I pay for my bills? How do I give my kids college education? How? Why am I stressed all the time, even though I'm supposedly a big surgeon making so much money? Why am right. I stressed all the time? Why do I have burnout? Why do I see all these people who supposedly seem like they're having a good life, but they make one-tenth the money that I make? Right. Yeah, it, it, right? Um, yeah, it makes sense. That makes absolute sense. All right. Let's talk, let's talk some more, Omar. So, um, man, I, I'm just so blown just the thought, your thought process to some of this stuff, and, and how how simple you're able to make it. Um, with what you've learned up to this point, what would you say is what we call your troop to task? And for those who don't know what troop to task is, troop to task is a military term where you're giving a soldier one thing that they need to do to complete whatever the mission is. So you're telling them, hey, I, we need sodas for the team. I need you to go to Seven Eleven. I need you to come back and give it to the team. That's their troop to task. Omar, what would you say is your troop to task for anybody who's listening right now to get them stuff started and get their stuff going? Uh, I mean, kind of figure out what lane you want to be in and then try to get partners around that. Okay. So if you, if you want to be in equity raising, well, 
then just be there, right? It's like, what is that saying? I think it's even in the good book, right? No man can have two masters. Right. Right? It's a saying in the good book as well. No man can have two masters, right? Mm. So you can't have your feet in like, at least starting out at least, right? You can't be in everything at exactly the same time. Right. You've got to pick pick and choose your poison, basically. Pick and choose, buddy. you got to pick and choose your battles, man. Fantastic. All right, Omar, we're going to hop into one of my favorite parts of the episode. Um, this is, and I want to be respectful of your time. I'm having so much fun. I'm enjoying this. Le- I'm learning so much as I'm talking to you. Yeah, I, but, I, got, a, I got another recording in about 10 minutes. So let's no go. No worries. Let's make, make it fast. All right, so let's see. Um, first question. If you could have five minutes in the room with someone, what would you do to impress that someone? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I haven't really thought about it. I wouldn't try to impress them. I mean, mm-hmm. I just want to get to know them, but I'm not looking to like necessarily impress them. Okay, fair like, enough. I, you know, like, what's your background? What do you do? What's your family like? I mean, look, there's lots of guys I know that are really rich, but I'd never want to be like them. Mm. They're just miserable. Either they're miserable or they're, they're just got weird personalities, right? So, you know, I wouldn't want to be exactly like them, but if you forced me with God, I'd be like, hey, tell me about yourself. What do you do? All right. So, got it. Go from there. Got it. Build a conversation. I like it. Okay. Next question. What's something that you find interesting that most people find boring? Hmm. Oh, as lately I have figured out, reading a book that is not <laughs> for self-development, like reading for fun, like you read a novel. Right. right? That's be a dying art these days because the other day I was talking to somebody. They're like, I haven't read a book since college. I was like, you're not supposed to say the quiet part out loud, dummy. <laughs> You're not supposed to say the quiet part out loud. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's let me go to the next question. What will you be doing 10 years from right now? Oh, hopefully uh, similar stuff and uh, hopefully at a larger scale, but similar stuff. Yeah, I, I enjoy what I do because mm-hmm. the biggest benefit, benefit of what I do is getting to meet really interesting people and getting to see what they're doing, right? Right. I mean, lots of doors open because of that. Okay, cool. Next. If you purchased your own island, what would you name it? If I purchased my what? Your own island. So you got an island. island. Yeah. What would you call this? What would you name this island? Oh, I would name it something really innocuous so nobody could find it. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, you know, Island 41 or something like that. You know, whatever. Whatever's like something that just blends in so nobody mm-hmm. really knows. Right? Uh, I'll just name it that because I always find it funny when people call it whatever, some really like fancy name and you're like... Look, you're asking this. to get, yeah. you're asking to get robbed. Right. Okay? <laughs> right. You're asking for it. When you get robbed now, okay? Right. Don't blame people. That's fair. All right. So last question, Omar. Last question. What puts you in a good mood immediately? Oh man, I don't think I can say that, but I guess sex. Okay. No, that's fair. I I think we all have something like that that puts us in a good mood. I like that. I would say most of us should have that. Yeah, I mean, you'd imagine it's something everybody should be able to enjoy, right? I mean, why not? I hope so. I enjoy. <laughs> I'm tell you that. <laughs> why do you think I go to the gym? <laughs> I want to be out of shape. It's just because I want to get laid. I mean, I'm happily married, and I want to stay that way. Right. You want you want to be attractive. I get it. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm Wayne. I mean, I get it. Hey, man, you're not doing too bad, Omar. You're you're a handsome guy. You're you're gonna be all right. I'm sure you're gonna be just fine. <laughs> Oh, but it'd be a lot better if you were a chicken telling me that. It'd be so much better. <laughs> I'm, I'm certain, but unfortunately, Omar, I'm not. So you're going to have to take this compliment. <laughs> All right, I'll take it. If you force me, I'll take it. 
<laughs> Omar, man, it's been excellent having you on. I'm definitely looking forward to having another conversation with you soon. I know you got to go. So I want to make sure people are able to reach out to you and contact you. How would they do that? Well, look, you can go to our mailing list by visiting my website boardwalkwealth.com b-o-a-r-d walkwealth.com the form is right on the homepage. and if you join now by the way i'll give you access to my hidden mobile app with nine hours of free yes free passive investing courses again that's at boardwalkwealth.com awesome you're the man omar thank you so much ladies and gentlemen better than we are but you're not half as good as you're going to be we'll see you guys next time thank you